The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika Sports Elite. Happy Thursday, everybody, from the fourth and final day at SEC Media Days 2023 here in Nashville, Tennessee. Jacob Goins with you with boots on the ground. Carter Bird back in the ESPN 106.7 studio. Hope you're all doing well on this Thursday, July 20th, 2023. And as I mentioned, this is the final day of SEC Media Days 2023. It has been a busy, busy Busy week here in Nashville. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, though. We've had uh, some great content go out here on ESPN 106.7 across all three of our great shows. The Max Roundtable with Doug Amos from 11 to 2, our show on the line from 2 to 4, and The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck from 4 to 6. And so uh, we've had some great content this week. Uh, lots of great coaches and players and media members here that we've had on the show. We're just here in general. Uh, it, it's been a lot of fun. And so, uh, Carter, happy Thursday, brother. Hope you're doing well holding back. Uh, holding things down back there in Auburn. Oh yeah, man! It's it's sunny out here. It's very hot outside. I accidentally uh, left the uh, dog outside for, for for a few minutes. Clo- closed <laughs> the door, and when he came inside, he was he was very warm, <laughs> and See, he was very mad at me. We have sideways rain here again today in Nashville. Like See, it's been half the time we've been here, it's been nasty weather. It says it's only 89 here in Auburn, but it says it feels like 100. So, oh my God, that's it's well, there's a high of 94 today. Oh, that sounds horrible. Well, uh, Dan and I will be uh, making our way back to Auburn tonight. We'll be leaving after my show or our show here, uh, two to four. Uh, we'll be on the road, hopefully by 4:30, and try to get back to Auburn around 10 or 11 o'clock tonight. But uh, no, it's been a great weekend, and again, lots of great content. We've had great interviews here on our show, Carter. Uh, anywhere from uh, Joe Tessator. Uh, we've got some guests coming up today. Uh, we had uh, Taylor Davis from ESPN, and of course, uh, my one-on-one interview with head football coach Hugh Freeze for Auburn. So uh, it's been a great week, man. It's been a lot of fun here, and uh, I know you've you've enjoyed uh, our interviews and, and our audio. And so, again, I just uh, I think we put out some really, really good content this week here on ESPN 106.7. For sure, man. I mean, it's been a great week. It's we've we've gotten to hear from some very knowledgeable people, get some different perspectives on the SEC as a whole, college football, Auburn. And I mean, that seems to be uh, the one of the more polarizing topics is just how good can this Auburn team be or how bad will they be? coming off a rough year last year that seems to be a common theme that we have run into and I think a a common theme too is how well Auburn did 
at SEC Media Days, how well Hugh Freeze did, how good he sounded uh, when he spoke. And so we'll talk some more about that today and, and tomorrow and as the weeks go on. And because, Carter, we're 44 days away from kickoff of Auburn football, and, uh, and we're kicking it off here with SEC Media Days. As we wrap it up, though, this week, want to give a huge shout-out to our sponsors we have all week, and they are why we are able to make this possible. Uh, the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care with locations in Auburn and Opelika to better serve you on the web at theorthoclinic.com. Tim Jones Farmers Insurance. Tim Jones has been serving the community as a farmer's agent for over 30 years. As you prepare for whatever's down the road, he is here to help. And Wickles Pickles, the South's best pickles, uh, 90 years in the making, get wicked with Wickles Pickles. So big thank you to them again for, uh, for sponsoring our SEC Media Day's coverage here on ESPN 106.7. And a huge shout out uh, to them. It's been a great week as well. We've gotten to tell Carter so many people about uh, Auburn Network and our family of stations uh, becoming the new home of the Auburn Sports Network, the local affiliate and flagship stations in the Auburn Opelika area for Auburn University football, men and women's basketball, and baseball. And a reminder, if you've yet to hear us make this announcement for the next five years, we are the local stations in Auburn and Opelika for and your home for Auburn football, men and women's basketball, and baseball. Football, men's basketball, and Tiger Talk, the show, the weekly coaches show, will all be on Wings 94.3. Women's basketball and baseball will be on AU100. That's 100.3 on your radio dial. So excited for us to have that. I know we are uh, a very short amount of time between, uh, between now and the kickoff uh, and the first Tiger Talk show on that Thursday night before kickoff on Saturday for Auburn. But uh, we're excited to have that. So be sure that you're tuning into Wings 94.3 and AU100. And, of course, here on ESPN 106.7 for all your coverage leading up to all of those events. But, Carter, let's talk about the fourth and final day here at SEC Media Days. A very sneaky good day is what I've described this as. Tennessee, Ole Miss, and South Carolina. That means Shane Beamer from South Carolina, Josh Heupel from Tennessee, and, of course, Lane Kiffin from Ole Miss. And uh, I haven't gotten to hear Shane Beamer. I, I, he's talking right now in some of these rooms back behind me, but did get to listen to uh, Lane Kiffin from Ole Miss and Josh Heupel from Tennessee. And we'll get to Lane Kiffin in a minute because he makes his own headlines. But, man, I'm really, really impressed by the things Josh Heupel has to say and how he carries himself and how he represents the University of Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, Heupel, I think he's a really good coach. I think that – we are going to see a little bit of a dip uh, in that Tennessee program just with the scholarship uh, li limitations that they're about to go through. Um, I am curious to see what this team looks like without Hinden Hooker. Can Joe Milton just kind of uh, seamlessly take the reins and and w without those some of those really high-level receivers that they had, can they continue to be – one of the most explosive offenses in the Power Five. Uh, if they can do that, I mean, they will be a dark horse team in the East again. Uh, they'll have a chance to make it two in a row against Alabama, maybe. Uh, and that would be a lot of fun uh, to, to watch that rivalry really heat back up after just what felt like sustained dominance for so long by Alabama. Yeah, and you mentioned the, the NCAA stuff. He talked about that. You know, people asked him about it, and he brought it up himself uh, and talked about 
how it is a relief, right, that all of that is now behind them, right? They've got some of the sanctions. they got some of their scholarships taken, you know, whatever. All the You can read up on all the things that happened. But he just talked about how it's a, a relief that it's all behind them and that they can now just focus on practicing and playing football. And they don't have to worry about the NCAA, uh, as long as they stay out of trouble, they don't have to worry about the NCAA coming around and waiting and waiting and waiting. And Auburn fans know how that feels when it comes to some of the things that happen with basketball, right? You waited around for so long, waiting on the NCAA, dragging their feet to make a decision. And so uh, Josh Heupel talked about that today on the main stage, just how it's a relief that all that's behind them now. Yeah, and, and I mean, they've been very... Uh, upbeat about the punishments that they did get handed, uh, which mm-hmm. kind of gives you a picture of how serious um, the situation was. When it was 18 uh, level one violations, uh, which has never, which is a record by I think a mile, uh, and I mean it was a lot of rule breaking going on, and to see them. Not get that postseason ban, I think, is huge for them because it continues to give that program uh, that Josh Heupel's trying to build up something to strive for day in, day out, that kind of carrot at the end of the uh, tunnel there to, for the light at the, at the end of the, the, the tunnel for this team to, to strive for. And, I mean, a New Year's Six Bowl, uh, maybe next year uh, in 24, a potential – playoff berth in the 12-team playoff. I mean, not, avoiding that is huge. Uh, yeah, no doubt. The, the, the scholarship thing is going to be interesting, though. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how that works. Well, the other coach that was here today, uh, Shane Beamer, as I mentioned, of South Carolina, but uh, the one that always finds a way to, to make some headlines is Lane Kiffin of Ole Miss. And, and the things that I got from him this morning out of the main room and the electronic media room, uh, he dragged NIL and really just the state of college football. He said it's a disaster is what he said when it comes to uh, NIL, transfer portal, just the, the – the craziness of it right now and how wide open it is. And, and I think everybody can agree to certain to some extent on that. Uh, but he talked about how it's a disaster where the state of college football is right now. And then uh, he always has some, some sly remarks to say, Carter, uh, in the electronic media room, which is a smaller room here at SEC Media Days, uh, one of the members of the media, I don't remember his name or his affiliation, but uh, he, he got the microphone and he asked Kip and he said, he said, Coach, do you think I look like you? Because I have been told in the past that I uh, resemble you, and I sent a picture to my mom, and she said I look just like you. And Lane Kiffin's immediate response, with no hesitation, he said, I'm sorry, what's your mother's name? <laughs> so, like, Kiffin always has always has something to say, and then he apologized for, for him getting looped into the same name as Lane Kiffin. Yeah, uh, I, I listened to most of Lane Kiffin's main room um comments and I'll be honest I wasn't the most impressed I mean we know he's funny we we know he is and he will have those moments but uh looked a little unkempt up there uh looked like he just rolled out of bed uh very uncomfortable very much spent a lot of time whining about NIL which I find interesting because I think Ole Miss I mean we were following Auburn and Ole Miss at the time of the the Auburn coaching search and remember a big thing for Ole Miss was the amount of money that they had pledged for NIL in the fall so I find it a little interesting that that was a big 
uh, point of contention that he had. And man, I, I just, I'm not, I'm, I always skeptical of the messaging that Lane Kiffin puts out there uh, because I mean, I don't buy the. It's hard for me to watch you claim to be the portal king and then complain about the portal and complain about NIL and cry poor and uh, cry, oh, it's free agency and all this. I I just, I'm not all that impressed when you go and do that. And he does that pretty much every year at SEC Media Days. Earlier this morning, Carter, I was talking with our uh, good buddy Austin Hannon from Bama Central, and uh, he has gotten Alabama fans on Twitter all riled up because he put out something on Twitter about uh, after he listened to Shane Beamer speak in, in one of the smaller rooms, he he basically put out on Twitter, he said, hey, Alabama fans, after Nick Saban, whatever he's done, how would you feel about Shane Beamer as a possible name to take over at Alabama? And I thought that's an interesting conversation because when you listen to Beamer talk, he sounds really good. He says all the right things. And if he continues to win and elevate a South Carolina program that hasn't been relevant since Steve Spurrier left, um, I think Beamer could be a real possibility to take over at Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I could, I could see that. I also think you're going to see a uh, – an absolute if the Oklahoma job comes open here in the next couple years, two, three years. Which it very well could. I mean, yeah, if if you get another subpar year by Venables, the conversation is going to start because of the huge step back that program has taken and they're coming into the SEC where I think it's gonna be a lot harder for them to consistently win. Uh and I think that's he needs to do something this year at Oklahoma because I think it's going to take a little bit to get adjusted and acquainted with the rest of the SEC and comfortable uh, with with their, their new reality. Because, in my opinion, I think gone are the uh, years of uh, 10, 11, 12 win Oklahoma every single year. I think it's going to be a much more 8-4, and 9-3 reality. And I'm not sure that fan base is going to love that. If that job comes open... I think you're going to get an absolute knife fight between Josh Heupel and Shane Beamer to take that job. And, yeah. I mean, whoever's left, I mean, who knows? You can, I mean, sure, those names might be uh, sitting there for, for Alabama to, to consider, but that'd be really fascinating. I'm, I'm, it's interesting to see those two coaches on the same day here at SEC Media Days because I do think that they're, they're somewhat – kind of parallel each other at this point in time they're yeah Tennessee has a better history obviously but programs that have that were a little bit down after having been to higher heights uh and they're trying to return them to that they have similar ties in their background um they they generate excitement in their fan base and I'm I they started at the same time I just think it could be very interesting to chart out the success between those two coaches and see what their next step is. Because I don't think, for either of them, I'll be honest, I don't think where they're currently at is the final stepping stone in the process. I will say Austin told me that uh, Bama fans were not excited about Shane Beamer. He was getting uh, some nasty comments on Twitter that 
uh, Austin was trying to create a narrative to run Nick Saban out of Tuscaloosa, and <laughs> I thought that was funny. And uh, uh, most Alabama fans that were in his replies uh, were still on the Lane Kiffin train. So that's where they stand right now when it comes to Tuscaloosa. Uh, you mentioned uh, you were talking about Hypel from Tennessee and if the Oklahoma job comes open, how it would make sense for him to jump to that, right? He's a national champion player at the University of Oklahoma. I just think it would be a step down. I really do. I think if he continues to win at Tennessee and compete in the SEC East, and of course next year just the SEC as a whole with no more divisions, uh, I think a, it would be a step down to go from Tennessee to Oklahoma when it comes to tradition and and money and recruiting and that's and a really interesting. That's an interesting take. That's an interesting debate because. I think most people would say Oklahoma is not a step down from from Tennessee. I think the history is better at Oklahoma. I mean, Oklahoma's, I mean, historically a top, what, seven program in college football. Well, Um, I say that because of what you mentioned earlier with Oklahoma coming to the SEC. I think they're going to struggle. You and I have talked about that. I think they're going to be a middle-of-the-pack team in this conference for years and years and years where Tennessee is going to be a top-half team if Josh Heupel continues to do what he does. I think think both will be top-half of the league. Um, Oklahoma fans, if you talk to them, they believe they have the strongest – foothold in the DFW area in terms of being able to dip in there and pick up the best talent. I'm really curious how that develops over time when all of a sudden Texas and Oklahoma come into the league and all of a sudden there's there's more chances for these programs in the SEC to kind of put their more reason and incentive to go into Texas to to recruit players to make themselves yeah. more visible. I'm curious about that. I I still am going to side with Oklahoma just because I, I think with the history of Oklahoma and I think with the standard that they've been up to for the last 20, 30, 40 years, compared to a little bit more of the up-and-down nature of Tennessee, I, I'm going to err that most kids would probably believe Oklahoma's at a better spot. Um and I lean that way still. I although I do think it's an interesting conversation moving yeah. into 2024 when both those teams come into this conference. It's funny that uh, we were just talking about that when I made that statement. You know who happened to just walk by my table at that time? Josh Heupel of Tennessee. So you should ask him. He, he, yeah, I should have. I should have. He was. No, there's nobody better down. equipped for that question than Josh Heupel. I know. I know. Wouldn't that have been great? He's sitting down with. Uh, Maybe Jock's down there. I can't quite see. He was he was on a mission to get down to another table, but he looked at me when I said that and just can't, he didn't make any remarks. He just looked at me and kept going. But it was funny that he happened to walk by at that time. Wish I could get him on. I would definitely ask him, and I don't think he'd give us the answer we were looking for. Tom. No, he definitely wouldn't. One hundred percent, he would not. Well, we are. It is a lose lose for him to yes, to answer is. that yes, truthfully. He did talk a little bit about Oklahoma. Somebody asked him about his playing time there, um, you know, <laughs> national champion and, and all that. But, uh, he, you know, great great respect for Oklahoma, great tradition, you know, all the, all the coach speak. But, uh, no, SEC Media Days, we are off and running day four, the final day here in Nashville, Tennessee. When we come back, we'll talk about the week as a whole, give our reactions, what we liked, what we heard, uh, and talk about all that. Plus, we've got interviews coming up with Zach Blackerby of Locked On Auburn later on in hour number two. Chris Doring sat down with me the other day day and we have that interview for you plus Chris Gordy host of Locked on SEC will join us 
as he normally does on Thursdays at 3.30. So all that's coming up here on the Thursday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back here live on Radio Row at SEC Media Days 2023 on the final day of the event here in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm Jacob Goins with you on location. Carter Bird back in the ESPN 1067 studio. Well, Carter, as we are winding down the week, people are uh, constantly packing up their tables and hitting the road here in Nashville. We will be doing the same here after our show. But as the week comes to a close, uh, what are what are some of the, the storylines or some of the comments that were made this week that are going to stick out to you as we get into college football season just 44 days from now? I mean, I think I'll, I'll, the my kind of reaction to, to things. Elijah McAllister might be the most impressive Auburn player I've ever seen just speak ever. He, just he because of like act, everything man. he has done and just how Daga, I mean, he walks in the room and he, and he's, the smartest person in the room, and it's it's yep. apparent, and it's it's not one of those things where like he tries to like let you know he's the smartest person in the room. It's just apparent when he talks. I mean, the guy's getting his PhD right now. Uh, he has a nonprofit that's that he helps run for underprivileged kids in New Jersey. Uh, I mean, it's unbelievable. He's as impressive of a person. I don't think he he. Like, took a single misstep all week uh, talking to the media. I thought he was really impressive. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to harp on this all day long. Lane Kiffin, not all that impressed by. Uh, <laughs> came across whiny to me. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to keep saying that until, until um, somebody gets upset and decides to call on the show and tell me I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe one of my, my, my Ole Miss buddies out there uh, will, will hear me talking about it. But uh, not really impressed with him. Uh, and then my other one is, is it's so interesting to hear the discussion about some of the quarterback battles in this league, yeah. specifically that Alabama one, just because it feels like every month the direction of that thing changes. I mean, we've gone from, from Ty Simpson to Milrow, or well, we we went Milrow to Ty Simpson, back to Milrow to Buckner to Milrow, and now we might be going back to Simpson. It just feels like it's all over the place, and that's and we going to be no something I'm keeping track of. This week. No oh, oh, absolutely not. Other than um, it's something about baking a cake, or and you don't want to take it out of the oven too too soon. That's what Nick Saban says. Which I mean, I'm going to start start saying that for anything that I that I need to get done that I haven't gotten done yet is say, hey, You're I'm just, steal that? it's like it's like <laughs> baking a cake. I can't take it out of the oven this soon. It, it won't set right. That sounds like a procrastination statement. Oh, uh, 100%. <laughs> 100%. I think that, but that is, I'm going to say, Nick Saban, a wise man, the greatest football coach of all time, Nick Saban, once said, and I'm going to use that from now on for the rest of my life, I love it. I love that. Well, uh, you were talking about McAllister a little bit. We actually have an interview with him uh, that we're going to be able to play for you uh, early next week. I was able to sit down with him and Cam Stutz, and then Dan of The Drive got to sit down with Luke Deal. So we have audio uh, with all three Auburn players that were here this week, so we'll have those for you uh, next week here on the show. But uh, some of the things that uh, stick out to me, Carter, when it comes to what we've seen and heard here at SEC Media Days um, – 
I, I keep going back to to Hugh Freeze and Auburn, right? I, uh, I yeah. go back to that and the fact that Hugh Freeze had a great, great SEC media days where nothing was said that could be taken out of context. Nothing was said that's going to ruffle any feathers, right? Nothing was said uh, or brought up really about his past that he had to go super deep into. And I'm not trying to, to hide that, and neither was he. He was very vocal about it when it came up, but he answered it and he moved on. And so uh, I think he had a great week here. Um, I agree on the Lane Kiffin stuff about on the main stage today, he just seemed a little off. I don't really know. He seemed very very jittery, uh, very nervous. He, he, he just kind of wasn't very present on the microphone in the main room. He was a lot more calm and relaxed in the smaller electronic media room, so not sure what was going on there. But, uh, no, overall this week, um, I, I think K.J. Jefferson impressed a lot of people uh, with, from Arkansas. I think he's a really likable guy. Um, people do not agree with my quarterback rankings here, Carter. Some of our Arkansas buddies are not very happy with me that I have him sixth on my quarterback rankings. But uh, Well, I think that – I think that – you're the opposite of 99% of people r ranking quarterbacks in this league. And that's totally fine. That's totally fine. But uh, I, I actually filled out my uh, media ballot today. You know, we, uh, we all get ballots for uh, preseason, you know, first team SEC and all the positions and the, and the teams you think are going to win and stuff. Um, and my quarterbacks, I picked Joe Milton and Jaden Daniels as my one and two. There you go. I mean, I, I think my – I'm going to stick to my guns here and say that my two are Jaden Daniels and KJ, KJ Jefferson because they're the two guys that I trust the most week in, week out in this league. Uh, and, I mean, yes, there are guys that I believe can and probably will finish higher than at least one of those two. Uh, but I want to see those guys put it together week in and week out. When we come back, our SEC Media Days coverage rolls on. Our interview with Zach Blackerby, host of Locked on Auburn. We'll have that for you when we come back here on ESPN 106.7 Live from Nashville, Tennessee. You are on the line with Jacob Goins. And Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We're 30 minutes into our number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back on our final day of coverage here at SCC Media Days 2023 in Nashville, Tennessee. Big thank you to all of our sponsors, the Orthopedic Clinic, Tim Jones Farmers Insurance, and Wickles Pickles for making this whole week possible. Uh, earlier today, I sat down with host of Locked on Auburn, Zach Blackerby. We talked about this week at SCC Media Days. Uh, we talked about head coach Hugh Freeze and what he had to say this week here in Nashville, plus what Auburn fans should expect coming up for the 2023 season. So again, this is Zach Blackerby, host of Locked on Auburn. Back here live at SCC Media Days 2023, the fourth and final day in Nashville, Tennessee on ESPN 106.7, joined by a host of Locked on Auburn and with Auburn Daily, Zach Blackerby joining yes. us on the program. Zach, hello, sir. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Happy uh, final day of SEC Media Days. You're happy that it's the final day of SEC Media Days? I'm ready to go home. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But man, well, what a loaded four days. Good to see so many people. But yeah, I think it's time to be done for yeah, sure. Yeah, we, we've... Uh, we've uh, 
obviously met some great people and seen some old friends here, but it's been a very busy week at SEC Media Days as we are wrapping it up here in Music City, USA. Auburn Day on Tuesday. Uh, the Seems like the storyline for Hugh Freeze and his first SEC Media Days representing the orange and blue was he didn't make any headlines, and I think that's got to be the big story. Get in, get out. It's kind of what it felt like. <laughs> I mean, no disrespect to any of the players that they brought, but, I mean, it kind of did it with the player selections too. They all did a great job. All of them, you could tell why they chose Luke Deal and Elijah McAllister and uh, Cam Stutz to represent Auburn. They were, uh, they all had a lot to talk about with leadership and, you know, what Auburn means to them and, you know, the vision that Hugh Freeze is trying to build within Auburn. But, yeah, it was very much a let's just lay low. Let's not try to win a press conference or anything like that. And let's answer some questions, treat people with respect, and let's get out of here and get back to Auburn. That's what they did. And it seemed like Hugh Freeze, you know, he, he was able to wade through a couple of questions about uh, his past, his former tenure in the SEC. And, and I think he handled all of those questions really well. I think so. And, look, he, he's been asked these questions already. These are, you know, these are folks that didn't go to his opening presser or some of his early press conferences since he's been head coach at Auburn, um, practice doing this. It's not like it's the first time he's actually handled that. Um, and he's probably moved on past it, even though some of the media hasn't moved on. He's got, you know, a really solid six, seven, eight months of work of building this roster and kind of getting this team ready for 2023. He's way more focused on that, and you can tell that not only by his words, but by his actions. And so, Zach, when you see what he did here at SEC Media Days and you see what he has done in his very short tenure at Auburn, I got the chance to ask him this exact question, and I want to ask you as well. Flex. What should right? What should, uh, what should Auburn fans be excited about in 2023 as we're just over 40 days away? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you... I think it's hope, right? I mean, Daryl and I talked about this throughout the week on Lockdown Auburn. You talk to other media members, whether it's folks with ESPN and SEC Network or just folks covering other local beats. There's a buzz. There's an energy. There's an interest. And, like, what is Auburn going to be this year? Instead of just kind of assuming the worst, it seems like a lot of people are labeling Auburn as sneaky or, you know, they could really ruin some people's seasons. Because that's what Hugh Freeze did at Ole Miss. Um, you know, the only active coach to beat Saban twice. And I think he's going to bring that to Auburn early. Um, you know, he talked about it in the electronic media room. He's like, I was getting ready for Ole Miss. And, you know, they hadn't won an SEC game in two straight seasons. He's like, I don't know if we're going to win more than two or three games. And they won, you know, significantly more than that. I think it's going to be kind of the jump that we're going to see at Auburn this year. Or at least the potential of that. And, like, I just think having hope and optimism around the program is, is worth being excited about. And, and it, it helps that last year ended on what seemed to be a positive note sure. when Cadillac took over, right? It was uh, Auburn was in some of the darkest times it's been in my entire life when Brian Harson left and was fired after Penn State. I mean, it was just terrible. The potato right? famine was a real thing. It really was. Yeah. And it was, it was so bad. And then Cadillac came in and revived an Auburn fan base. And now there seems to be some excitement, and it helps that Hugh Freeze has proved he can do it off the field. Now it's time for him to do it on the field. That's right. Yeah, we went through COVID. Then Auburn people went through the potato famine and thank goodness Cadillac drug us out of that and now Hugh Freeze is leading the charge so yeah yeah and you know we'll talk about that A&M game last year for decades right like were you at the Cadillac game I mean it's pretty cool but you know, I mean it was symbolic it's kind of started the whole movement of what could happen at Auburn if the fan base if the powers that be slash money slash boosters 
and the, the football program, what if they were all on the same page? And I think since that moment, that's happened. You know, and there's been some, you know, money drama over NIL and all of that. But I think all in all, um, Auburn's more on the same page it's been since I've been covering the team. Zach Blackerby of Locked On Auburn joining us here on On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Zach, when you look at the talent that's on this team, the, the roster is just so different, right? If I've, I've been saying it for months. If you have last year's roster and plan on using it, just rip it up and throw it away because this year's team is going to look so different. But when you look up and down the roster, what excites you? What impresses you on both sides of the football? Yeah, I mean, they brought in some size uh, pretty much at every position. I mean, you can definitely tell that uh, he wanted to bring in offensive linemen. Interestingly enough, the offensive line is smaller this year than it was a year ago just because the tackles are shorter than they were. But I think the tackles are better. Upside, once again, is, is going to be there. He brought in bigger, wide receivers, and we all kind of have flashbacks to what Ole Miss was able to do with LaClan Treadwell or A.J. Brown. Um, and then, you know, the, the defensive line. They brought in a lot of, a lot of beef on the defensive front. And they're going to be able to rotate more uh, in those positions than they have the last few years and even probably under Gus. You know, back to the Rodney Garner days where he was coaching the defensive line where he'd, you know, platoon guys in and, you know, play 9, 10, 11 defensive linemen. So I think we're going to get back to that point. And to me, that, that's what's most intriguing is, is I think they're going to use their depth that they built through the transfer portal. This week here at SEC Media Days, of course, you had the big names of Lane Kiffin, Nick mm -hmm. Saban, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the big names in the SEC. What did you hear this week around the conference that uh, really caught your ear? Yeah, Jimbo's a jerk. Nobody likes Jimbo Fisher, um, and he, doesn't, he clearly doesn't care. He does um, not care. Yeah, yeah, one of the more unlikable people I've ever seen in my life. Um, and then Daryl and I were talking about this. It'll go up on tomorrow's Lockdown Auburn, but... You know, when, when folks come through Media Row, you know, there's always a bunch of cameras and people and handlers that are kind of with them. And Nick Saban and Kirby Smart are the biggest too, right? But the biggest player to me, from my point of view, and you may be wrong, was Jaden Daniels. Yeah. You know, LSU's quarterback. And I think the Auburn spin on this is his path to LSU, similar to Peyton Thorne's, um, different style quarterbacks. But as far mm -hmm. as their path goes, you know, they're in a situation where they didn't feel like they were either being – appreciated or in a situation where they could succeed to the level they wanted to so they you know they jumped ship and he took the sec by storm won the sec west the roster around him is better than you know the roster that peyton thorne has around him but from a player standpoint he may be the face of the sec right now and so what's to say that that couldn't happen you know, to an Auburn quarterback in the next 365 days. You bring up the quarterback situation with Auburn. Uh, in the offense in general, Hugh Freeze talked about Philip Montgomery will be calling plays for the offense, and Hugh Freeze will step in if need be, maybe on a fourth down situation where he wants to have the final say. But uh, how important is it the fact that uh, the offensive coordinator will be calling plays and the head coach will be more of a general manager role rather than calling plays? Yeah, I don't know if I'm Jacob. Uh, I mean, Hugh Freeze is a great play caller, and, you know, he's, he pretty much said he lost his touch. I'd love to know if that's him being humble or if he actually believes that or if that was part of, you know, the only way you could get a caliber offensive coach uh, like Philip Montgomery to, to come over and do that is if he wanted to call plays. I, I'd love to know the deeper parts of that agreement and conversation and relationship between those two. But yeah, you know, red, uh, red zone is really where Hugh Freeze has excelled. 
In fact, in his introductory presser, I mean, he talked about how, like, you know, maybe maybe an offensive coordinator would call stuff between the 20s and then he'd handle the red zone. I, I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, I mean, I, I guess it's the best thing. I mean, Hugh Freeze is, is desperate to succeed in his second and probably final stint in the SEC, so he's not going to do anything to jeopardize his offense. But I, I'm, a little, I'm a little surprised by it. And, and, and you bring that up, too. That's something that was brought up when – uh, when Hugh Freeze was in the running to get the Auburn job, him and Lane Kiffin were obviously the two big names in consideration for this job. And that's what a lot of Auburn fans that supported Hugh Freeze getting it talked about was he would take advantage and work harder than anybody else if he were to get that second chance in the SEC. And Zach, I think you can see it again off the field when it comes to transfer portal, high school recruiting. Uh, he has boosted that, the confidence in this fan base. But again, it all comes back to can he get wins on the football field yeah that's right that's right and you know you got to get talent first then you could win so just how long is his leash going to be because I mean he's not going to win a national championship this year but he can go in and get a top 10 class and then you know get better from year to year and, and I think that's what Auburn fans are going to be okay with and they're going to have to be okay with it to give him time to to really you know cook and, and develop this program the way he wants it to be and it's it's, it's all about you know, building hope for the future. And that was the issue with the previous regime is there's no hope for the future because, you know, there weren't like a whole lot of, you know, young, talented kids coming in. And that's already changing. And we look ahead to in just a couple of weeks at the end of July, uh, what could be a massive weekend for Auburn football recruiting. The list is unbelievable of the guys that are going to be on campus in just a couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you try to not buy into these little things that these recruits and high school kids do on social media. But, man, like, it really seems like Perry Thompson's primed to pop and flip next week at Big Cat. You know, Demarcus Riddick's announcing a few days before on his mother's birthday. He's currently committed to Georgia, but he's either going to announce between Auburn or Alabama. That's what all the experts are saying. And he's attending Big Cat two, to, two days later. So you can't imagine he'd commit somewhere else and then not go there. So um, that's wild. Uh, and then, you know, you look at, like, Ryan Williams, who's been committed to Alabama to play wide receiver, and he took down all of his Alabama posts on Instagram, and he announced he's attending Big Cat Weekend. Like, yeah, I mean, it's just, you, you, you don't want to le lean into it too much, but there's a lot of smoke happening about some of this. I mean, it, this, this class could look a lot different in the next 10 days. Zach Blackerby of Locked On Auburn joining us on, on the line on ESPN 106.7. You guys have put out great content. Who all have you talked to this week, man? Talked to all the Auburn players that were here. Uh, talked to Dari Noka. Talked to a few, um, you know, local media members throughout the SEC. Talked to Ben Wolk, who covers Georgia recruiting. We kind of talked about, you know, Joseph Phillips, what happened with that recruitment, and then Demarcus Riddick. I thought that was some pretty insightful stuff from, from Ben. And then um, who's the other? Oh, Takio Spikes. We talked to him as well. There you go. Yeah, we had him on. He's, he's fantastic. Takio had great things to say uh, about Auburn and Hugh Freeze. Well, Zach, tell everybody where they can find you, your podcast, and what you got coming up over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, Locked on Auburn, available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. New shows drop every single morning on audio before you wake up. They drop on YouTube at 7 a.m. We'd love to have you there. Then all of our written work from this week. Um, and we're not done. We'll be putting stuff out, you know, throughout the weekend and next week as well before fall camp starts on August 2nd. That's all at AuburnDaily.com. Zach, thanks for your time, man. We appreciate you, and it's been a great week here at SEC Media Days. Thanks, buddy.
So that was, again, Zach Blackerby, host of Locked On Auburn, joining me earlier this morning, talking about Hugh Freeze, talking about SEC Media Days here on the fourth and final day. When we come back, Carter, we'll talk about that interview, what Zach had to say, and wrap up hour number one, all coming up here live from SEC Media Days in Nashville, Tennessee, on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7 online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. We're wrapping up our number one here in Nashville, Tennessee at SEC Media Days. Day four as a long week is wrapping up here on Radio Row. Let's get to the phone lines, though, really quickly. 334-321-1390. Terry, you're on the line, man. What's up? Terry, do we have you? Uh, we may not have Terry. Him. I've got him I on the mean, line. He, I, he, I, there he is. There he is. Terry? Oh, I lost him. He, his his phone uh, cut ah. out. I will. Okay, well, well, Terry, give us a call back if you want to. 334-321-1390. Hopefully we can get you on now where we can always start the second hour uh, with you. But, uh, but while we're working on that, Carter, I'll talk a little bit about Zach and what he had to say. Zach Blackerby, host of Locked on Auburn, uh, that interview played in that last segment. Uh, he, he pretty much echoed a lot of the things we've been talking about, right? The fact that uh, uh, Hugh Freeze has brought in the, he's brought in the talent. He's done the work. Uh, it's time to see the results on the football field. Um, and talked about how the excitement um, around this football program seems to be on the rise. And I think that's something that Hugh Freeze has done a fantastic job of, not just this week, but uh, really since he's gotten here, is, is getting this fan base rallied together uh, when uh, there was a time where they weren't. And so uh, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see how that goes. But let's get to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. And Andy, you're on the phone. What's up? Andy? Hello. Hey, there we go. Yep. Hey. How are you, Andy? <laughs> Good. Hey, I was calling to uh, – you sound different on the phone on the radio. Um, just to say I love the reassurance of um, Ole, Miss, uh, Ole Miss coach. Help me out. Uh, Lane, Lane Kiffin? Kiffin, yeah. Just I, – I, I never liked him back when he coached for the Raiders. And all the crazy stuff, and when they were talking about him being head coach, mm-hmm. I was going crazy, saying, you know, he's had, in like 10 years, he's had 11 jobs. Just like, oh, they're like, oh, that's what happens when you get promoted. But the guy is a, he's a whiny, mean, egotistical son of a gun. And also, um, just the reassurance on Jimbo Fisher, where Texas a is kind of like Auburn, they're good people. Um, and they were just heartbroken he went there. They'd be upset with him even if he was winning just because of who he is. And for him to um, do what he's doing, I, my heart goes out to Texas A&M. But just love hearing um, reality. You guys aren't sugarcoating stuff with Lane Kiffin being whiny and Jimbo Fisher's just no one likes him. He's a jerk. And, yeah. And uh, he's, he's great for a school like Alabama that puts winning above everything else. But, um, just, you know, that's a little piece of Auburn that's still around that I that – I, and love, even though they're trying to change everything else. But um, we're going to keep on telling the truth. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Appreciate yeah. it. Andy, good to hear from you. Yeah, I I don't really disagree with the, with anything Andy said. I mean, I, I Jimbo's <laughs> not very likable at all. It, it was funny to hear Zach talk Zach about that. that. I mean, I've, yeah. I've felt that way about Jimbo from almost day one he took over at FSU. 
Uh, well, he just, just gives you so many reasons to not like him. It's like, dude, just try to be a likable guy. Like he just doesn't <laughs> care. Like he just he always and especially in a week like this, he always says something or does something to to make people mad. And and it's like you obviously just don't care about your image. And I'm not saying it's all about that, but like, dang, dude, even like Andy said, even your own fan base isn't happy with you. Jacob, uh, he he didn't care. You want to know why? Because he has ranches. I don't know if you re- recall when he <laughs> said that that one time. He has ranches, plural, with all that money that A&M pay, is paying him and will have to pay him one way or the other because of the way that they set up that contract. for. And again, I, I always come back to this. There was no reason for that contract at all. At no. all, because it was right before the season, nobody was coming after him, and they said, hey, we're going to give you, what, at the time, the biggest contract in college sports, and we're going to pay you $10 million a year for the next 10 years? Like, nobody was, was telling you you had to do that. Like, No, it was ridiculous. Nobody was coming for him, and you you elected to do that, and you've put yourself in this position where you've hitched your wagon to to Jimbo Fisher again I don't think he's yet and I don't think he's this crazy elite coach I think all of his success at, at FSU was in a much worse conference with first round quarterbacks he had three first round quarterbacks in a row the last of which was a generationally talented quarterback and he won a national championship if you take away if you take away Jameis Winston what has he done? Because outside of the two Jameis Winston years where he goes to the playoff and he wins a national championship, it hasn't been a lot. No, it hasn't. And and, and I agree with, with what Andy said as well when it comes to uh, Lane Kiffin. He, he's a guy that I, I like him better than Jimbo just because Lane will actually, especially here at Media Days, who at least talk to the media and, and kind of, you know, chop it up and joke around here and there. Um, but when it comes to uh, the, the coach, I guess, I mean, I know Auburn fans are not a, a fan of him. Well, some of them are because a lot of them wanted him to get the job, right? A lot of Auburn fans wanted Lane Kiffin to be the next head coach instead of Hugh Freeze, and I think that's still an interesting conversation. But, uh, Andy, we appreciate the call. Uh, good to hear from you. Maybe uh, we can get Terry back on the phones uh, when we start hour number two. But, um, yeah, I think it's been – a, a good successful week here at Media Days. We got hour number two coming up. We'll continue to uh, discuss this. We also have uh, our interview with Chris Doring of the SEC Network and then Chris Gordy of Locked on SEC. That's coming up in hour number two as well. Big thank you to our sponsors making this week possible here at SEC Media Days. The Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center with orthopedic care uh, with locations in Auburn and Opelika to better serve you. Tim Jones, Farmers Insurance. Tim Jones has been been serving the community as a farmer's agent for over 30 years as you prepare for whatever's down the road. He is here to help. And Wickles Pickles, the South's best pickles, 90 years in the making. Get wicked with Wickles Pickles. Hour number two coming up. Chris Doring and Chris Gordy here live in SEC Media Day.
Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope you're doing well. We are live here in Nashville, Tennessee for SEC Media Days 2023. Hour number one officially in the books. And if you missed any of it, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast, ESPNAU.com, or just go to or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Uh, we had our interview with Zach Blackerby, host of Locked on Auburn. Uh, we talked to him about Hugh Freeze and everything going on here at SEC Media Days. Plus, Carter and I have been talking about uh, really just recapping what's been a very busy week here in Nashville. Uh, Carter, we will uh, get to the phone lines in just a second. But again, a busy day here uh, in day four, the final day with Tennessee Ole Miss in South Carolina. Yeah, it absolutely has been. I mean, I think that uh, these three coaches in their own ways are uh, very interesting. Uh, we've already pretty much covered Lane Kiffin pretty, pretty well by saying uh, – he came across as whiny. Uh, and then, of course, Shane Beamer is just like, he's like the, the energizer bunny in a football coach, uh, trying to generate as much excitement as possible all the time. And then uh, Heupel, I mean, I think Heupel's just kind of uh, a kind of go-with-the-flow likable dude uh, yeah. that has some momentum in his own right. Yeah, and, you know, I, I, I mentioned this in the first hour. I really like Heupel. Uh, Josh Heupel from Tennessee. I think he's very well spoken. I think he's a good rep for uh, the University of Tennessee. I think he had a good day here today as well. Uh, Lane Kiffin, you know, he he did his thing. He cracked some jokes. He talked about uh, his team. And and actually, Zach Blackerby uh, tweeted out the fact that almost nobody asked him about his football team. They asked him a bunch of personal questions, a bunch of um, you know, just stuff about him rather than his actual team. So uh, take that for what it is and how you want to. But, uh, hey, let's get to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. And, Terry, you're on the line, man. What's up? Hey, guys. Great job this week. Appreciate, Appreciate it, that, Terry. Terry. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I'm just surprised somebody offered uh, Lane Kevin a tree of cheese to go with all that wine. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's great. Good one. Yeah, I just I, I, look on the Josh Heupel thing you guys were talking about. I think he would crawl to the University of Oklahoma because yep. there's nothing like going home. I just I just I just don't buy state. I think Tennessee's going to have a real hard time holding on to him. But what do you guys think about the possibility of Shane Beamer being his replacement at Tennessee? Ooh, okay. I, you, you know I I would if I were Shane Beamer and I had that opportunity I would take it because I think the ceiling Absolutely. is much much higher at Tennessee than it is at South Carolina. I mean Spurrier took South Carolina to about its peak by taking them to the the SEC championship game and uh, that was in a down SEC East. I don't think South Carolina is ever going to make it to Atlanta ever again. And I know that yeah, that's, that, that's a bold thing to say, but in the new conference where the best two records go, I don't see a path for them ever to make it. And make no mistake about it, guys. Josh Apple ain't passing up Oklahoma to stay Tennessee. It ain't happening. 
I I tend to to agree with you there, Terry. I just think that the something about coaching where you played there is that added extra draw and I I still think the ceiling is a little bit higher at Oklahoma than it is at in Tennessee uh, at in the new SEC and I think that the history of that program it means a little bit more to be there than it does to be in Knoxville right and Jacob I do do I do agree with you I think Tennessee is a better place right right now but Oklahoma's tradition is way above Tennessee's but I also think in the coming new SEC I think Tennessee is going to be the better place to be. I think it's going to be the better program. I think it'll get the better recruits. I think they're going to have more money. And I think they're going to be more relevant in this conference. And so it would I mean, make sense for Heupel to go to Oklahoma. I get that. But I, I firmly believe that if he were to leave from Tennessee, where the state it's going to be in the next four to five years in this conference, it would be a step down to go to Oklahoma where they're going to be in this conference. And another factor is, where's Josh Heupel from? Do you guys know? Uh, let me see. I don't know off the top of my head. Because if he's from Oklahoma, that feather cements it. He oh, is he's from, from uh, South Dakota. He's from Aberdeen, South Dakota. Okay, well, that, that's kind of that's kind of between. I didn't know that. So, <laughs> yeah, but he played in Oklahoma. This morning. He's already won the colors, and he's already played there. Won a Heisman, didn't he win a Heisman Trophy? No, I don't think he won a Heisman no, he Trophy. He, he, was, he was the... BCS champion, uh, All-American, AP College Football Player of the Year in 2000, but I don't think he won that Heisman Trophy, no. Well, I just I just think a guy that's played there and, and laid some roots there in that way and with the, the the 100-year tradition of Oklahoma, I mean, Oklahoma's one of those big schools like Alabama and Notre Dame, and, yeah. and I just don't think he could turn that down. Yeah, so the Heisman Trophy winner that year was Chris Winkie. Oh, wow. Ah. There you go. Okay, appreciate it. Great job. Appreciate it, Terry. Appreciate it, Terry. Thanks for calling. 334-321-1390. And look, man, I I get it. And and if that opportunity comes up, I would put the house that Josh Heupel would take that jump and go to Oklahoma. Um, By the way, Chris Winkie is the quarterback's coach at Georgia Tech. I don't think – he was the quarterback's coach at Tennessee in 2020. I didn't know that. Wow. I didn't know that either. <laughs> okay. How just about just that? random stuff I'm finding in the in the <laughs> rabbit hole of the 2000 uh, college football season. 2000s college football. Wow, that seems like a long time ago, huh? Yeah, yeah, 100 percent, man. I mean, I don't. I mean, frankly, I don't remember much from uh, that point in time, and I'm, I'm I know you don't at all. I mean, it's the year I was born, so I really don't remember a whole lot about that. <laughs> But, uh, no, with Heupel, again, he would go in a heartbeat to Oklahoma. But given our comment and statement about how Oklahoma – I think they're going to struggle in the SEC, and I believe that Tennessee can continue to get better, get back to being a relevant program uh, in this conference again and in the country. I think in the next four to five years it would be a step down to go from Tennessee to Oklahoma. Uh, so see, I'm not sure about that because I like when when you talk about money. I mean, I think that Oklahoma's got as much, if not more, money than Tennessee. When you talk about recruiting, I still think that you at Oklahoma have you're so close to the state of Texas, and that's one of the biggest high school football states uh, in the country. I think you are close. 
like you can dip into that. You're the second or third team when it comes to probably best access there behind Texas and Texas A&M maybe. Uh, when I look at Tennessee, Tennessee has to dip into Georgia and I, I guess has to dip into – has to go north maybe some and into the Carolinas. I don't know where you stack up in, uh, in your recruiting area because you've got obviously Georgia, you've got – Clemson, Alabama, uh, Florida, FSU, Miami. I mean, Auburn's going. I think Auburn's going to recruit at a higher level than Tennessee going forward. I, I don't. I'm not sure Tennessee's going to get these top ten level classes year in and year out moving forward, just yeah. because of the competition level. Because you're going to have Georgia, Alabama, LSU. Uh, Florida, with the way that they're recruiting right now, all of these schools recruiting at about their peak, I just find it hard for Tennessee to continue to pull in the best of the best talent in the country and be able to compete. Carter, think about uh, think about this argument as well. When you think about a coach going and going to coach at their alma mater, right, a place yes. that they either played or, or whatever, right, it's a huge risk. Because you have to go and be successful, and, and if you're not, you are going to tarnish your reputation at that school. An example, Scott Frost at Nebraska. Um, now, it could work out with Kirby Smart at Georgia, right? But it's a huge, huge risk. And, Carter, if it were me personally, it would, be, it would mean a lot for me to be able to go. If I were a former player at a school and I got the opportunity to be the head coach there, it would be a huge honor but I would have to really consider it before I signed the papers because, again, if you go there and you're not successful, you're, any reputation you had as a player, it's going to get ruined as a coach. Yes, like there are instances of that, but then there's – I mean, look at Kirby Smart. Look at Steve Spurrier. Uh, you have these instances of these these coaches going back to – these coaches going back to where they've played – and winning national championships and becoming legends at their school, and I think that that has some value too. I mean, yeah. I mean, up until the stuff of the past few weeks that has come out, I mean, Pat Fitzgerald was the greatest coach in Northwestern history. There was that as well. Like there are people that have success. Granted, Pat Fitzgerald, his entire legacy is. At, le- at a minimum on hold right now, uh, but is more than likely in the garbage. Uh, but like th- there are these coaches that have gone back to where they've played and had high-level success and have become legends at their school. I think that that is at least intriguing. Like, like I think if had it been a handful of years down the road because of their, the amount of Auburn, really high-level Auburn assistant coaches out there throughout college football, guys that played at Auburn. Had Cadillac gone on to be an offensive coordinator somewhere and been ready to take on the full-time job, or Travis Williams or somebody like that, there is that draw to be like, hey, my school, my alma mater needs somebody to come back and pull it back up, pull it back up to the standard that it was at when I played or that it's been in the past, I don't think those Auburn assistant coaches would hesitate in a second to come back and take that Auburn job to to try to be that guy. 
because they, it's. It, I think it has less to do about the risk in terms of how you're remembered and more to do with I know what the standard is and I want to help my school be great again. That's kind of how I think these these coaches look at it. And so I don't think they would shy away from going back to their, where they played college football to go be a coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, and again, I get that. I just think it's – I feel like it, it happens more on a guy goes to coach where he played and it didn't go well rather than the Kirby Smarts of the world. And I think it would be interesting to put that list together at some point, Carter, and, and like compare, right, compare that list and see what that would look like on paper. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll see what I can do. I can I can do some <laughs> some some research here. We've 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 come up with three of them. I don't know how far down the list you can get before. Uh, I mean, I, and I guess you you can't count Luke Fickle's one year at Ohio State, right? That's that's not fair, right? Uh, I wouldn't think so. I I I will agree with you there, but I, but I I'm curious to see how many great coaches at the school that they played at there are compared to coaches that just flamed out like Scott Frost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and an interesting point that Terry brought up, if that were to happen where Oklahoma needed a guy who played there to come back and pull that program back to relevancy and Josh Heupel were to jump on that train, Shane Beamer being an interesting name to take over at Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree that that could be a very interesting name, and I think that it could, uh, it could be a pretty seamless, I think, transition for that Tennessee program. South Carolina would be really upset. I yes, they would. I'm very, very curious to see where they go. I wonder, I wonder if they would finally uh, dip into the well that it came down to the final two in their coaching search that ended on Beamer. If Beamer were to leave. Do they go to Jamie Chadwell, who's now at Liberty? Ah, interesting. But then it comes to, would you accept the job after not getting it in the first place? Um, I think you would if you're coming to the SEC. And, I, and I, look, I think Chadwell, with the system he runs, I think he could do well at a place like South Carolina. I think Chad was a really good coach that was unfairly kind of saddled with the stereotype of Coastal Carolina and Myrtle Beach and – kind of being this redneck guy that when I think he was a much better coach than he, he got credit for. Yeah, well, an interesting conversation uh, about the coaches and, and what could be changing in the SEC over the next couple of years. Terry, we appreciate you calling in as we get started in hour number two here on the final day at SEC Media Days. This is On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Coming up, my interview with Chris Doring from the SEC Network. Then Chris Gordy, host of Locked on SEC, will have that interview as well. All that coming up here on the Thursday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line. On ESPN 1067, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back here on Radio Row at SEC Media Days 2023, the fourth and final day here in Nashville, Tennessee. Jacob Gold with you here uh, in Nashville. Carter Bird back in the ESPN 1067 studios. 
Uh, earlier this week, I was able to sit down with uh, Chris Doring from the SEC Network, and he, uh, we had a few minutes to sit and chat about things that have been going on here, uh, the coaches that have spoken, all you know, all the drills. So uh, we, uh, again, I got a chance to uh, sit down with him and talk, and uh, here's the interview with that again. Chris Doring of the SEC Network. Live at Radio Row here at SEC Media Days 2023. This is On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Sitting down with Chris Doring from SEC Network. Chris, thank you so much for your time, man. I appreciate you stopping by. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It's great to be back with everybody here and uh, even better to think about the season being right around the corner now. It, it is right around the corner as we are just a little over 40 days or so from the kickoff uh, of Auburn for specifically, but SEC even sooner than that with yeah. Vanderbilt starting against Hawaii. But I want to ask you first, with SEC Media Days, Days here in Nashville this year compared to Atlanta last year and Hoover for so many years. Yeah. What have you noticed the differences here? Well, I love that it's in Nashville here. Um, obviously, a lot more things to get you in trouble outside of the uh, the hotel here <laughs> than in Hoover. You're not um, speaking from experience. Right? I've actually been, I'm, I'm actually impressed with my discipline. Um, you know, knowing that I have the morning show to do on on uh, SEC this morning, I, I've. I've tempered you know kind of some of my enthusiasm for the the, the nightlife here um, but I think the thing and you can speak to this I, I like the best about where we are here unlike Atlanta like going back and forth to the college football hall of fame mm -hmm. it's a lot of, of back and forth here everything's in the hotel yes. so if I get a break I can go up to the room real quick it's it's a lot more like Hoover uh, in the setup there uh, but I love the idea of rotating the, the news about going to Dallas next year the timing with Oklahoma and Texas coming in uh, being able to be a little closer to the Texas A&M fan base. I think it's fun to turn this thing into a traveling show and, and get different states an opportunity to host. Well, what have you heard so far here from SEC Media Days? Kirby Smart going today, uh, Auburn coming up later this afternoon. Uh, you've had Brian Kelly go, even Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner. So of the people that have spoke so far in the main room, what have you heard? You know what, I haven't heard anything from Kirby yet today. I've been kind of working uh, all morning. But um, I think the thing that stood out to me the most from day one was the clarity or lack thereof as it relates to the play calling duties in College Station. And I think that's been, been the big storyline is, is Jimbo Fisher actually handing over the duties to Bobby Petrino? Uh, he was kind of resistant to, to say that was the case. Um, either way, you know, he's going to have influence over not only what the play calling is on offense, but on defense as well, as every head coach does. But I think it's a very different profile that A&M heads into the season than the last two years. Um, and I actually think it's a dangerous position for the rest of the teams in the West. Um, they all seem very focused. When I talked to the players yesterday, uh, really impressed with Anaya Smith. I'm uh, excited to, to see the season he's going to have after coming off the injury last year, but uh, it really does kind of feel like a do or die situation for Jimbo Fisher and this Aggie squad. And I actually believe they could be a surprise team this season. Sitting down with Chris Doring of SEC Network here on ESPN 106.7 out of Auburn. Talk about Auburn a little bit. Coming into 2023, obviously new head coach in Hugh Freeze. Not his first time in the SEC, but he is back representing the Orange and Blue. Your expectations, I would say, for, for Auburn in 2023 yeah, under him. My expectations for Auburn were not that high uh, initially. And then I got tasked with calling Auburn spring game. And as soon as I walked into the facility on that Friday and saw Coach Freeze and talked to him, I mean, there's this command and presence and, and comfort about you know, where he is right now and excitement about being back in the SEC. What did you think about that new facility the over there? The facility is amazing. Isn't like, it? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I was thoroughly impressed with it. And uh, Coach Freeze is being given everything he needs to be successful there. Uh, he's hit the ground running with his, his recruiting, has hit the portal to try to upgrade the existing talent. And um, 
I have no doubt that he's the right guy. His resume is perfect for what Auburn's looking for. And quite frankly, Auburn and what it offers is perfect for, for Coach Freeze. And, and getting him back into the SEC is a much bigger storyline than I think we're talking about so far at SEC Media Days. And when you look to the season, a lot of people picking Auburn near the bottom of the SEC West. If you had to make a prediction, I know that's what a lot of this is yeah. about here at SEC Media Days. Where do you think Auburn falls in 2023? Yeah, I, I don't know about the, the positioning, but I looked at the schedule. We talked about it a little bit this morning on SEC This Morning. I think they win six games for sure, and I think they got a chance to win seven games. After you know missing a bowl game as miserable a year as it was last year for Auburn fans, I think it's going to be a chance to, uh, to show not only what they're going to be doing in the long-term future, but to have some immediate success getting to a bowl game, getting those extra practices, getting something to be excited about. And, and I... It, I don't give my co-host Peter Burns much credit because he's a clown in a lot of ways, but <laughs> he, he said something at SEC uh, the championship game last year after the news about Hugh Freeze being hired broke. Is He said, hey, I think Auburn could get into a 12-team college football playoff within the next two years, you know, two years after it, it coming. So it comes in 2024. I think by 2025 they could be a team that, that is in that 12-team playoff mix. Talk about your relationship with everybody that you work with at SEC Network. It, it just seems like you nobody's having yeah. more fun than everybody at SEC Network, yeah. whether it's SEC Nation or broadcast or whatever it may be. It just seems like you guys are always having the most fun. That's a great point. And um, I just finished my eighth season with the SEC Network. Wow, congratulations. Uh, thank you. I just uh, signed a new contract that will keep me around for two more years. People ask me all the time, you know, do you want to move up, do more ESPN stuff? I'd love more opportunity for sure, but I, I don't want to leave what I do at the SEC Network. I love these 14 teams. I love Oklahoma and Texas coming in. But most importantly, I love the people that I get to work with. And you hit, we have so much fun. All the stuff that you see on Saturday night, that's all authentic fun that we're having with one another. So I, I'm blessed to be able to do something that I love with a conference that I, I love. And then one more before I let you go. I know you got to make all your rounds today. What are you most excited for in 2023 in college football? What, what excites you the most, whether it's SEC or just in the college football realm? What is it? You know, I feel like we're talking so much about 2024 and Oklahoma and Texas's arrival and the 12-team playoff. Yeah. I want to appreciate 2023 for what it is. You know, I was in the league playing in 92 when South Carolina – um, and Arkansas were added to the league, and when we split up into the divisions, like it makes me a little sad to think about the East and West going away. I understand why we're doing that as it relates to getting the two best teams to Atlanta and also you know, having a little more rotation with the schedule, but let's appreciate you know, the history that's about to, to kind of culminate uh, with this season, and, and uh, I, I think there's just a lot of competition in the middle of the pack, and I'm anxious to see who kind of separates themselves. Yeah, we're getting into a new era of the SEC and into college football. Chris Doring of SEC Network here on ESPN 106.7 out of Auburn. So that was my interview earlier in the week on Tuesday with Chris Doring of the SEC Network. Great guy. First time I met him, and uh, I really, really enjoyed talking with him. So we do appreciate him and his time. Carter, I, it's, it's my understanding you have our list that we've been talking about. Yeah, so uh, just some, some, some research here. I'm going to put Pat Fitzgerald off the side. Not going to talk about him. But I think it's a lot more even when you look at it than you realize. Just off the and top again, of my is, head. These this are coaches, coaches that went back yep. to their alma mater and coached. And the, the success stories, the not very successful stories. And then we have, we have a couple to make a judgment call on. But we'll, we will start with the bad ones off the top of my head. Cliff Kingsbury, ah. Barry Odom, and Scott Frost. All three did not pan out uh, in pretty brutal fashion 
on the success story side, Kirby Smart, Steve Spurrier, and Jim Harbaugh. I think I think those I think those even those out pretty well. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that is pretty even. Um, it, I don't know. It just seems like, and maybe it's because those are the ones you always hear about, right? The coaches that go and it, it just backfires, right? And they go to their school and then they just f- flame out and it doesn't go well. But no, I would say, I would say that's pretty. It's more even than I thought it was. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it absolutely is. And then when you get to here, your two that you have to have a uh, judgment call on David Shaw at Stanford. Who was pretty good for a little while, but really fell off at the end, and then he he retired. And then the other one is Frank Solich at Nebraska, who took a he took over, went nine and four in year one. Then he goes twelve and one, ten and two, eleven and two, seven and seven, nine and three, and is fired. Mm. See, that feels like an unwarranted firing, though. Yeah, and they've been <laughs> like- trying to find it back ever since. Yeah, so I'm going to say that's still a success story. And then Shaw? Stanford, he retired, so maybe a good story? I'll I, give you that. I guess so, sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'll give you that. We can talk more about it later, but when we come back, Chris Gordy of Locked On SEC, my interview with him on the other side. You are on the line with Jacob Goins. And Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We've got 30 more minutes of our SEC Media Days coverage here in Nashville, Tennessee. Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. Carter Bird back in the studio in Auburn. Earlier today, our usual 3.30 guest, Chris Gordy, host of Locked On SEC, stopped by the table, uh, sat down and had a, an interview with him, as we always do on Thursdays, really recapping what's been a very busy week here at SEC Media Days. So, again, this is Chris Gordy, host of Locked On SEC. Live here at SCC Media Days 2023, the fourth and final day in Nashville, Tennessee, here on ESPN 1067. I'm Jacob Goins, joined by Chris Gordy, host of Locked on SCC. Joins us every Thursday at 3.30 here on the program. Chris, been a long week, but been a good week of uh, coaches and players and, and just media here in Nashville. Your assessment of what you've heard here this week. Yeah, it's funny. Talking with some people around here, I think, kind of surprised there wasn't like one huge big overarching storyline out of media days this year i mean we've had you know thinking back to years past we've had um you know so many different big topics i mean obviously coming out of covid and and getting back to football and then nil and then conference realignment and tech you know a couple years ago the news texas and oklahoma are coming to the conference it really hasn't been one of those stories this week and it's it's just a little shocking because, um, you know, there's always something that pops, but there really hasn't been. And, and even like Lane Kiffin today that I thought, you know, he, he always says something controversial, grabs headlines. Even he didn't do that today. So, yeah, it's been – I mean, it's been a good SEC media days, but nothing controversial, nothing, you know, really – jumping out and grabbing big headlines right and that's what carter and i have talked about a little bit is the fact that um it it just nobody has has made those headlines and that's what we uh, that's what we kind of look for right we're we're listening for somebody to say something 
to grab everybody's attention, and nobody has done that. And what really makes it important for us is the fact that Hugh Freeze of Auburn did not do that. And not yep. that we expected him to, but that's what we wanted him to avoid. Almost come in and and come in and get in and get out and not make any headlines, just do your business and get out. And I think Hugh Freeze did a great job of that on Tuesday. He did. And uh, most of the people I talked to said that they were impressed with, with Hugh and his return to the SEC, obviously. You know, faced a couple tough questions about – you know, his, his return and, you know, obviously a little bit of a checkered past, but, you know, it seems like, um, you know, he's starting fresh, starting anew. And, uh, yeah, look, I think, I think Auburn fans have reason to be optimistic. I mean, this, this is a great football coach. And, you know, outside of the, the incidents in the past, has, has been a great leader. And uh, you know, I, I think they, they couldn't have done any better than, than, than him. And, in fact, in hindsight, looking back on, at it, I think we're going to, years later, look back and go, why in the hell did they hire Brian Harson? Like, it, you know. <laughs> People that, are already saying that, Chris. That was just such a, a calculated gamble you know, that didn't pay off. And now you have a, a real football coach in there. Um, you know, Gus, Gus had his nice run. Um, you know, Gene Chizik, we know how that went. But I think with Hugh Freeze, this is a guy that, that can be at Auburn for many, many years. And... I think the fan base will be patient. I, I, don't, I don't think, you know, th this year may be a little bit, you know, ha have some growing pains, but I, I don't hear, at least from the Auburn fans I talk to, that, hey, he better win X amount of games this year. I think most people understand this is going to be a little, a little bit of an up-and-down transition year, but the future looks bright, especially, you know, the way he's starting to recruit. And, and he talked about that on the main podium on Tuesday. He said, look, Give us a little time. Give us a little grace, right? He asked Auburn fans for that. He asked the SEC and college football for that, too, to give them a little time because it's going to take some time before Hugh Freeze can turn it around from what Brian Harson had done with his time at Auburn. Yeah, and, again, it's, you know, it, it starts with the quarterback. And, you know, I don't know how good Peyton Thorne could be. I'm optimistic about him. I, th I think he could be pretty good. But... That's, that's the big spot. As long as he continues to recruit well and get a good quarterback in there, Auburn's going to be a player. Chris Gordy of Locked On SEC joining us here on ESPN 106.7 on the fourth and final day of SEC Media Days. Uh, Chris, your, your thoughts on the fact that people here are, you know, we're submitting our ballots today as yeah. media. We all get one. People have been talking all week about Auburn being sixth or seventh in the SEC West. Can you tell me why that's just completely false? <laughs> it's, it's tough. And I, I, I ran into this when I was filling out my ballot last night. I think LSU's got a good chance to, to, to win the West. I think a lot of people are going to pick them to win the West uh, with all they bring back. You know, they've got Jane Daniels back. They've got Mike Denbrock, their OC, you know, there. A ton of their receivers. They lose Kayshawn Booty, but they bring back Malik Neighbors. I mean, they, they've got a lot of guys back. And so I, I think LSU is, is, you know, kind of the sexy pick right now. A lot of people are jumping on. And Alabama, I think, at worst, people are picking them second, right? I mean, it's, it's hard to imagine a, an Alabama team that would, you know, at worst have more than two losses. So when you start figuring out, okay, we got LSU at the top, we got we got Alabama at two. Yeah. I think a lot of people are, are kind of thinking A&M maybe bounces back a little bit. Are they finally going to put it together, though? Yeah, that's – I mean, they've got a lot of talent, right? I mean, they've recruited very well, four- and five-star recruits. 
but I've seen some people pick A&M to, to, to finish third. I've seen a lot of people pick Ole Miss to finish third because Lane's kind of done a good job there. And even, you know, he just – like he just trips into eight wins, and, and that's a good year for Ole Miss. Now, see, Carter thinks Ole Miss is going to be the worst team in the SEC. He is very, <laughs> very convinced that Ole Miss is going to be terrible this year when it comes to talent and wins. He thinks they're going to be really bad. They've got one of the best running backs in the country, Quinchon Judkins, and so it's hard. Like, he's going to be good. I think whoever the quarterback is, they, they got two really good ones in Spencer Sanders and Jackson Dart battling it out. You know, we were told throughout the spring Jackson Dart looked good. He cut down on his turnovers and all that. So, I, again, like Ole Miss, I, I don't – like at worst, maybe 7-5. and five. The, the schedule, the way it sets up, like – so, you know, we start to go down the pecking order. And I think, yeah, I think most people look at it and say it's between Mississippi State and Auburn for last spot in, in the West. And, again, a lot can happen. I mean, you know, things could, things could change, but – you know, that, that's where I'm kind of but, – but what's bottom of the SEC West? Is it 6-6? Six and six? Well, it's not terrible. You know, they, that's, that's not bad. You're going bowling. Uh, I think one of uh, – was it Brad Crawford put out his projections? He has 13 of the 14 SEC teams making bowl games this year. Yeah. So, you know, the, the lone one, Vandy, not making one. So Which I disagree with. I think Vandy makes a bowl game, Chris. They, they could. They certainly could. So, you know, it, it might – for Auburn fans, it might be hard to hear that – yeah, you're, you're being picked by a lot of folks to finish dead last in the SEC West. But if it's 6-6, six and six, that's, not, that's not terrible. But I want to know how did it look. Did you lose a couple games on a last-second field goal? Was it, oh, man, or we gave up that big pass play right, you know, right at the end of the game? Things like that. As long as you're competitive. I think fans can, can, uh, can take that. Yeah, 100%. And that's something that Carter and I have talked about is it, it, we're ready for Auburn to be competitive. Even if you lose a game to LSU or to Georgia, Alabama, even Texas A&M or even Arkansas, right? You just want Auburn to be competitive and at least give yourself a chance where in the final games under Brian Harson, especially that Penn State game, you just weren't in it from the start. I mean, it, it was just it was so bad in that year and a half that Harson was here. That's what Auburn fans are searching for is for the Tigers to be competitive. We're joined by Chris Gordy, host of Locked on SEC here at ESPN 106.7 on day four of SEC Media Days. Outside of Auburn, Chris, uh, what have you heard from the head coaches here this week and, and what gets you ready for football season as we're just over 40 days? Yeah, um, you know, I, I think just hearing everybody, it, it's so funny because you get here to SEC Media Days and Everybody's undefeated, right? So everybody believes they have a good team. Everybody believes that, that um, you know, that their schedule sets up good for them. Um, I, I'm surprised. Like, when you look at some of these schedules, though, you can kind of see who has, who has a rough go this year. Um, there, are some, there are some brutal schedule, schedules, and there are some easy ones. You know, Georgia and, and Kirby Smart obviously have the easiest path, and I think that's why a lot of people are picking them to go undefeated and you know, back-to-back-to-back to back to back national champs. But, you know, listening to Mark Stoops yesterday at Kentucky, he's really done a good job of addressing a, a, lot, of, a lot of needs. And, um, you know, the transfer portal has really – it's changed the dynamic of college football and the SEC as a whole. I mean, it used to be you lose a bunch of guys to the draft, you recruited well, all right, it's going to be a down year because we've got to rebuild and get all these four-stars and five-star freshmen out there. But – the transfer portal has changed all that. It allows you to, to, yeah. to fix all those needs immediately. And, and you know, that's where I look at Auburn and say, like, 
you're going to need a, a roster sheet for week one and go, who the hell are these guys? <laughs> like, you know, up and down, you're trying to figure out who, you know, who, who's playing for Auburn. But, yep. um, yeah, that, that's, that's kind of what, what stood out to me is everybody it kind of feels like they have a chance. And, and I look around the SEC. I do this every, every year at Media Days and say, is, is this the best collection of coaches we've had in the SEC? I always try to pose that. I don't know if it is right now. You know, you go back a, few, a handful of years ago and you had – you know, Les Miles championship winning coach. You had Steve Spurrier. You had, you know, I mean, like you, you run up and down the gamut. But I think this is a, a really a really good collection of coaches. But, you know, how many of these guys will ever win a national championship? I think that's, that's an interesting question to pose. Yeah, it is. You know, Kirby's already got a couple. Saban's got a couple. Um, What's your answer to that question? I think, I, in all honesty, if you told me, if you ask me, predict which one of these coaches will have a championship in five to seven years from now, I think Brian Kelly will win one at LSU. Main reason because the last three guys have all won at LSU. Yep. And Brian Kelly is better than the last two coaches LSU has had. So if Coach O and Les Miles can luck, luck into one, I think Brian Kelly will. Um, I honestly think Hugh will win one at Auburn. Wow. Um, look, Gene Chiswick got there 1-1. One, one. Uh, Gus... Got to, got to one. I think Hugh's too good of a coach. Uh, I, I think he's going to build this thing. It's going to take a couple years, but I think Hugh will win one. Um, I don't. I, I got to watch my back because Lane Kiffin just walked by. But um, <laughs> I don't think Kiffin will ever win one. Shane Beamer, I don't think so. Um, you know, Mark Stoops is just too difficult at Kentucky. I I just you know just kind of run through all the all the the coaches across the SEC, but. Just kind of a fun little exercise to pose, you know, who do we think? And, and honestly, I think it's LSU and Auburn will be the two programs to win a championship sometime in the next five to seven years. Chris, when we look at 2023, the final year of the SEC East and West before Texas and Oklahoma come to the conference, what's it going to be? I mean, it's going to be such a huge difference. So what's it mean for this to be the final year of divisions? And how much different is it going to truly be when those two teams come to the conference? Oh, it's going to be it's going to be massively different. You know, everything we, everything you've known your whole life when it comes to the SEC is just it's out the window, and it's 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 weird. It's going to be awkward, um, but it changes a, a dynamic. I mean, there have been years in the past where, you know, LSU beats Alabama and wins the head to head, and you know, look at last year they go to the SEC championship game. Um, you know, yeah. there have been years where. An SEC West team maybe has more losses than a, a two-loss team in the East, but they won that side of the bracket, so they get to go. And they're a better team. Yeah, and, and so you're going to see a dynamic of, yeah, two teams with the two best records are going to go to Atlanta and play, play for a championship. And it's going to be awkward at first if it's Georgia versus Tennessee. We're going to feel weird that the West isn't represented, but the West will be no more. So, you know, that, that'll take some getting used to. It'll really take some getting used to if Texas and Oklahoma are playing for an SEC championship. I think that's going to be really weird. Um, but, yeah. Man, SEC fans would riot. Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> They'd absolutely. be so mad. Absolutely. I'm, I'm still I'm rooting for both of them to play for the Big 12 title this year. I think that would be fantastic because, uh, you know, they, the Big 12 media days, everybody was just crapping on uh, Texas and Oklahoma. I was like, please let them play for the title and just tell everybody else in the Big 12 to shut up. But, um, no, it, it's going to be weird. It's going to take some getting used to. There's a lot of new. I just really hope that they and, – and, and everybody I've talked to have said they think they will get the new, you know, TV deal done and, and, um, and go to a nine game conference 
schedule in 2025. That, that's what I've been told by multiple people. I think they'll get that done. So we'll, um, we'll see what happens. But, you know, I, I just think you can't call yourself a conference and have teams that don't play other teams, you know, constantly. It's like we, we have to have some kind of rotational basis where everybody gets a shot at everybody. And I love the nine-game model with, you know, the three permanents and everybody rotates. So we'll see, uh, we'll see if that comes here. But, yeah, to answer your question, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be weird without the SEC West. I mean, I'll never forget Ole Miss, I think, in, in 2003 – they lost to LSU when Eli Manning trips over, um, you know, trips over his own feet and falls down. And uh, Ole Miss hung a banner that year that said "Co-SEC West Champions." Oh my God! I don't know. I think they took the banner down. I don't think it's still up there. But um, you know, it was there was some pride in that. People, you know, there were teams that if if you rarely ever get there, you take pride. Hey, we won the SEC West. SEC West champions of this year. You know yeah. that sort of thing. And it just goes out the window. And like I said, it's just going gonna, gonna to be weird, and it's going to take some getting used to. And we can no longer say that the SEC West is the best division in college football because it's no longer going to be a thing. Yeah. And, Chris, the big thing for me with Auburn really quickly is I'm ready for Auburn and, and all these other SEC teams to play other teams, go other places, right? I'm tired of playing Ole Miss and Mississippi State every year. And I know <laughs> Kiffin's run, walking around here, but, like, I'm tired of Auburn playing Ole Miss and Mississippi State every year. Like, Auburn wins those games more times than not. I'm tired of playing them. Give us Florida. Give us Kentucky. Give us South Carolina. I don't care. Not Recently, maybe not South Carolina because they've had Auburn's number. But <laughs> let Auburn play other teams and let them go other places and let other schools make different trips. I'm just ready for different matchups in the SEC, and I think that's what's going to happen with that nine-game schedule. Chris Gordy, host of Locked on SEC. He joins us every Thursday here on On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Chris, as always, man, we appreciate you and your time. Uh, let everybody know where they can keep up with you. And I know you've put out such great content this week at SEC Media Day. Yeah, just uh, Locked on SEC, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, we're on YouTube. Got the video versions up there. We had some great interviews with Brian Kelly and Dallas Turner, Rocket Sanders, uh, Spencer Radler. We got all that up there uh, at Locked on SEC. Well, Chris, we appreciate you, man. It's been great uh, having you on this uh, today and, and being with you this week. And we'll talk to you next Thursday. All right. Thanks, Jacob. That is Chris Gordy again, host of Locked on SEC. Talked to him earlier this morning. Uh, joining me here at SEC Media Days in Nashville, Tennessee. When we come back, we'll wrap up our coverage, wrap up the week before uh, Dan and I hop in the car to head back to Auburn. That's coming up here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up our SEC Media Days 2023 coverage here in Nashville, Tennessee on Radio Row. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. Carter Bird back in the studio. Man, it's been a fantastic week uh, here in Music City, USA. So many great interviews here on the show and on our station between uh, the Max Roundtable, our show on the line, and the drive coming up after us. Uh, I mean, we... we 
we killed it this week. That's all I can say. We did an absolute fantastic job. And, yes, we are patting ourselves on the back. All three shows did a wonderful job. Our seven straight hours of local coverage uh, here at SEC Media Days. And so a uh, big thank you to – I want to, you know, give a couple thanks here really quickly. Big thank you to Auburn Network, uh, Radio Alabama, uh, for, for allowing Dan and I to come up here. And, and our sponsors, again, thank you to our wonderful sponsors, uh, the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care uh, with locations in Auburn and Opelika to better serve you. Tim Jones Farmers Insurance. Tim Jones has been serving the community as a farmer's agent for over 30 years. As you prepare for whatever's down the road, he is here to help. And Wickles Pickles, the South's best pickles, 90 years in the making. Get wicked with Wickles Pickles. So big thank you to those sponsors for making this week possible. Again, Auburn Network and uh, Radio Alabama, Steve Witten, Lee Perryman, Michael Brandon, uh, Ben Taylor, all those guys letting us uh, come up here and do what we love. And so uh, we put out great content. Uh, the interview with Hugh Freeze, my one-on one interview. If you missed that earlier this week, go to ESPNAU.com. It's on the front page. You can go and listen to it. I had a one-on-one -on -one closed door interview with him, and so uh, you don't want to miss that. Be sure you go and check that out. ESPNAU.com. All of our shows from this week are also on our website, so be sure uh, you go and check that out. Carter, I appreciate you, brother. I appreciate all your work you're doing back there in Auburn and uh, holding down the fort this week, man. Hey, man, I'm just doing what uh, I'm, I'm just trying to keep us on the air. <laughs> well, as far as I know, you've done your, you've done your job. I, I don't Same, know if you've kicked off at any point. I haven't been point. told by anybody that we haven't been on the air, so I think we're okay. I think we're good. Well, it's been a, again, it's been a great week. Uh, it flew by. Um, I'm exhausted. I am very very tired. What was, <laughs> I'm ready to get home. And what was the best and worst part of of SEC Media Days? Very quickly. Uh, best two of them, best part, uh, my one-on-one -on -one interview with Hugh Freeze. That was a, a great moment for me uh, and really enjoyed talking with him. Karaoke last night was a lot of fun, too. That was definitely up there, uh, getting to see all of our, our media friends get up there, and, and myself included, and, and have a little fun in Nashville. Um, worst part has been the weather, man. Weather's been on and off. Just It's fine right now, but two days in a row we had just sideways rain and thunderstorms so mm. i'll say that was probably the worst the worst if anything it hasn't but, been uh, anything like that in auburn if you're wondering yeah it's been crazy here so yeah we are uh, about to pack up and hit the road uh bill will be on for the drive from four to six i believe they have justin ferguson in studio so dan may be calling in for a segment or two uh, but we're going to pack up and get on the road we got a five hour drive ahead of us to get back to auburn but again big thank you to our sponsors the orthopedic clinic tim jones farmers insurance and wickles pickles carter again i appreciate you uh, and all your work and again if you missed any of our shows this week or my interview with head coach Hugh freeze espnau.com that's where you got to go. Until next year in Dallas at SEC Media Days, I'm checking out from Nashville. Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. I'll be back in studio tomorrow. And until then, stay safe. I'll talk to you later.